Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Conflict with Russia is still the theme of the year. But is it all based on one big fat lie? The answer might surprise you. The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. Bringing you my libertarian take on the news, the biggest stories of the week. The big story this week, Trump is in Europe at the G20 summit where... All the world leaders, biggest world leaders get together and talk about free trade and and making things uh, more open when really, obviously, they're just there plotting how to control things. So I'm not a big fan of those big international organizations. But but what I wanted to focus on is that Trump made a speech in Poland on Thursday that was... Uh, Everybody from Joe Scarborough, his current, I'm going to say, uh, foe enemy. He's got this this uh, feud going with Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski that, to me, is absolutely all for the press. I feel like it's Trump's wedding present to the happy couple because they were old friends all along. And uh, I just don't buy it. But, but Scarborough and saying, oh, it was a terrible speech, terrible speech, then he starts to read all the things he liked about the speech. And Charles Krauthammer of Fox, he uh, he just loved the speech. He called it Reagan-esque. I mean, he just was all over this speech. But for me, uh, the speech was a little, was was quite telling, not in the sweeping, overarching, setting foreign policy kind of way, but in, in very specific things that I think... Uh, hint at what's really going on behind the scenes and what we've what we hear just constantly is this i i just think it's ridiculous this whole story about russia hacking the elections and here that they were responsible for trump winning the election and all that stuff if that seems to me just this big uh another like pr thing to keep news going to keep uh, to keep everybody on the edge of their seat about something that really doesn't matter. But whether you're a Democrat or Republican, you know, and this, these very uppermost echelons, they are playing into this idea that Russia is our enemy and that there's hostility there. And it, and it really smacks of falsehood for me anyway, like the, even just covering how Trump and Putin had their first face-to-face meeting, the foreign minister of Russia, Sergei Lavrov, said, yeah, uh, Putin told Trump that we that Russia did not meddle in the election, and Trump accepted that. 
But Tillerson, our Secretary of State, said, oh, he pressed him on it several times. He made it very clear that uh, this is causing a lot of trouble for us. He made reference to the sanctions and all this kind of stuff, making it out to be a big deal. And it's it's like really sad for me that I actually think that Lavrov has more credibility than Tillerson at this point, mainly because I think that the Russian audience, which is who those people speak to, really have had such a long history of propaganda that they don't that their standards are a little higher, whereas we're so innocent that we're just like, well, Secretary of State would never lie. But I think that this a lot of this is just kind of. Uh, a, a, you know, a show. A lot of it's a show. So, but a, but underneath it all, if you think about where all this, where all this argument that Russia is imperialistic and expansive and Putin is this uh, egomaniac who just wants to control the, uh, the world or Eurasia or whatever, it all traces back to... Uh, Ukraine and Crimea. So p- the the evidence people put out there is uh, I actually was in the Wall Street Journal today. I mean, you read it every single day. I, I I will read some reference to this if I'm reading about Russia. He talks about how this Wall Street Journal. This is from the editor, so it's it doesn't have a byline. It's from the actual editorial staff, and it says. Uh, that uh, to have a meeting like this, like the one with Trump, uh, for Putin, it has just one purpose, to discover, this is a quote, to discover if he will be able to press Russian interests forward without significant pushback from the U.S. president. Mr. Putin concluded that Barack Obama would pose minimal resistance, and so he seized Crimea, invaded eastern Ukraine, and adopted Syria's Bashar Assad. He's still in all three places. So note this guy said that Putin, this is the, his prime evidence that Putin's a bad guy, is that he seized Crimea and, uh, and then entered eastern Ukraine. And Trump played right into that meme in his speech. Now, I can prove that that is not true. I can prove that the Ukraine was destabilized by the U.S. on purpose, that we let a coup to overthrow the the democratically elected president of Ukraine and that it was all about uh, who gets to supply Europe with gas. So that's what I think is really the underlying thing. But Trump doesn't Trump plays into the basic fundamental Russia is our enemy meme. And uh, and that to me is a tell that he is actually just a uh, just as much a servant or a puppet or a, a witting or unwitting uh, of the military-industrial complex that's out there to uh, affect geopolitics for their own interests, whether it's energy or defense or finance. Those are the big three. I think that's what this is all about, and I think that, think that all of those things were revealed in Trump's speech. So I'm going to play a few clips from Trump's speech. Uh, let's start with, this, this one addresses Ukraine. Let's start with clip 10. DeMarco, if you could play clip 10. We urge Russia to cease its destabilizing activities in Ukraine and elsewhere, and its support for hostile regimes, including Syria and Iran, and to instead join the community of responsible nations 
in our fight against common enemies and in defense of civilization itself. To me, that's... Uh it's just absolutely false. We were the one who destabilized this country. And it wasn't for these grand ideas of civilization and uh, the pursuit of uh, freedom. It was 100% for the money powers. Now, I don't know if Trump knows that. But for me, I would never fall for it because... I, so he's over there making deals for liquefied natural gas, for selling uh, defensive weapons to Poland. You know, he's playing into these things. And of course, those things lead to debt, which, you know, the big three of the military industrial complex that I think finance, energy and defense, uh, they all get the benefit from this, from what he's doing. So I don't know if he knows for sure. But for me, I wouldn't would never fall for that kind of thing because I have respect for the sovereignty of other countries, for them to make deals with each other, even Crimea. People don't realize this. I think it was something like I have the stat somewhere. Eighty five percent of the adults in Crimea voted to secede from the Ukraine after we destabilized it. Eighty-five uh, percent voted, and ninety-five percent of the vote came out in favor of joining Russia. So he didn't annex it; it's, he didn't seize it. But even if he did, uh, I, I still don't feel like we need to police the world. So let's start the conversation. I have a lot of clips. I'm gonna—I just delivered a lot of um, big picture stuff, and I'm gonna back it all up as the show progresses. But what do you think? 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. My producer, Binkley, is here. Binkley, uh, how you doing, Binkley? Just happy not to be sitting in traffic. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, that just persists. Yesterday in Buckhead, that crazy, they closed uh, Cobb Parkway. For We should talk about some of those local stories maybe at the bottom <laughs> of the hour. But uh, what do you, do you have any tweets on, uh, on the big picture stuff? I do. I got one from Gary. He says, whether Russia destabilized Ukraine or not, we shouldn't do anything. They didn't attack us. Why should we care what flag flies over Crimea? He has a point. Now, one, uh, one might argue with that. And, uh, and I think people do. I do. I want to play. I hope we have time. Let's play. Uh, there's another clip. It's Charles Krauthammer on Fox News. And tell, listen to this clip and tell me, get ready to call me, tell me uh, if you agree with what Krauthammer is saying. Can I have DeMarco uh, clip 13? This is a return to traditional American universalism leading the community of nations, meaning NATO, the West, Europe, including, of course, a lot of East Asia, other places as well. And by taking on the mantle of leadership, basically expanding the meaning of Americanism to go beyond our shores, I think it was a huge step and extremely significant. So that's Krauthammer on Fox saying that it's traditional Americanism to do that, whereas... Any, if you're familiar with George Washington's farewell address, and and all of our founders would say, absolutely, do not do that. You should not. That that's the he said that was the beauty of our country that we're bordered by these oceans, and it's my contention, and I plan to prove it to you, 
that we are the ones who are out there looking for trouble and that what it creates is a blowback situation that's no good and uh and i do think that a lot of people agree with me and certainly if they dig in a little bit so i'm going to help you do that 404-872-0750 1-800-WSB-TALK and we'll read more of your tweets after the break at monica perez show monica perez on news 95.5 and am 750 wsb We are back. The uh, It's 86 outside the studio, a 7 on the Mellish meter. The weekend's weather is brought to you by Shoemate, heating and air. Uh, and we're talking about, it's funny because uh, we're talking about Russia, the underlying premise of why Russia is someone to be afraid of. And for me, it's... It, it all goes back to Ukraine, Crimea. But if you, unless you've been listening to my show since uh, for several years, in 2014, I did numerous shows with lots of smoking guns about how we were responsible for destabilizing Ukraine. I went through the timeline, had hidden audio. Uh, even if you've heard it before, I think you're going to be interested in a little refresher because it seems like the left and the right have both forgotten that we started it. So I'm going to start that, uh, kind of unfolding that. First, I want to take some calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Go to Michael and Ackworth. Hi, Michael, you're on with Monica. Hey, Monica, I love listening to your show and the voice of reason that you bring. Um, I just wanted to just chime in. I just do not buy into this narrative that Russia or Putin is, our enemy. I mean, maybe maybe not an ally, but maybe an adversary. But I've listened to him speak many times, uh, and even as recently about this whole uh, Russia hacking election and such. And he was making a statement. He said, first of all, we didn't do it, but even if we did, you think we'd be stupid enough to put our signature on it?" So right. I just, yeah. So I just think that. It's, you know, they're just throwing out this narrative that this is this big, bad man and country and, they're, you know, we're, we should be at odds with each other. And I just don't get that feeling from Putin. He just, uh, I think he's a brilliant man. I think he does a wonderful job. We maybe have different ideologies, but uh, I just don't think all the fear-mongering that they're putting out there is justified. I, I agree. I think there's, uh, I go back and forth on who... Uh, who what what Putin's really about I, I I his start Yeltsin if I'm not mistaken Yeltsin put him in place and I think Yeltsin was kind of a puppet of the West Boris Yeltsin uh, so I don't know if Putin was really like uh, you know our next level of inserting somebody in there I don't really feel like that I wonder sometimes if the people in the West if the if the leaders of the West are all like from China to Russia to Germany to UK to US all kind of vying for their place at the big table but they all agree there should be a big table so that if these kind of tensions these kind of problems foster their goal of say we need a a a binding world government because things are getting out of control like the world war world war 1 led to the league of nations world war 2 led to the UN 
perhaps World War III or just the threat of World War III will lead to what the Pope has called and called for, the true world authority. True world authority. So I don't know if Putin is fighting against that or just fighting for his place at the table in that. Do you do you have an opinion on that? Yeah, I mean, I think any great nation, um, and, and Putin does periodically flex his muscle a little bit, I mean, but it's not like we don't. So, um, yeah, I, I just, again, I just I feel like that they're just trying to make it sound like that he's this, you know, natural warmongering, ready to strike and pound for him in a given moment. I, I just really, I just cannot buy into that narrative. I, yeah, I, I agree with that, Michael. I do. And I wonder, I, I do wonder sometimes if, uh, if you look back at the history of like World War One. Yeah, like that that time period when Germany was rising. So Germany was rising as what they call a regional hegemon against Britain, the British Empire. And and there was real tension there and the British did not like it. And the worst thing that could happen for the British Empire would have been for an alliance between Germany and Russia. Russia also had a lot of oil and gas resources. However, they viewed it at the time. They knew it was becoming very important. That's why they started being interested in the Middle East, which was also a big factor in World War One. So it's always been a fear of the of the West, if you want to call it the Anglicists, the Anglo-American establishment, to have a German-Russian alliance, to have Eastern Europe and Russia kind of join forces. And then they, if they could dominate that region, they would really have world power because the, as Zbigniew Brzezinski, Mika's dad and uh, Carter's national security advisor, as he said, that whoever controls the Eurasian continent controls the world. So it's a little difficult for, say, the British Empire, the Amer- English and American alliance, to be able to rule that. I mean, that's quite tricky. And, and I think what if you look back at some of the history, the British wanted to make sure a kind of kneecap Germany so Germany couldn't be the gateway for Russia into Europe. And it's the gateway of Russia into Europe uh, that are our two hotspots right now. So you have Ukraine and Syria, both of which, so that's where our hotspots with Russia are. And by coincidence, um, not, not really coincidence, but by, as it were, as it happens to be, those are the paths of entry of Russian gas or their allies' gas up into Europe. Gas is very important into Europe. Ukraine, there's pipeline through Ukraine into Europe from Russia. And uh, there, it was a, a pipeline on the table. I guess it's still on the table. That's supposed to go up from a gas field that is shared by Qatar and Iran um, under the sea there. They want to take a pipeline. One of them, or both of them, want to take a pipeline that goes up through Syria, through Turkey, into Europe. When Ukraine started... Actually, I'm going to break down the timeline um, coming up. When Ukraine started to respond to Russia's competitive arguments, competitive offer, uh, Russia was giving Ukraine a better deal. Ukraine was starting to pivot to Russia. Similarly, when Syria turned down the Saudi Arabian Qatar pipeline in favor of the Iran-Iraq pipeline, that's when things started getting really hot there. Syria's always been in play, I think, in the geopolitics, but that's when it got really hot. 
And uh, and that's where we have these conflicts with with Russia. It's not about Russia's. Um, I I think that that narrative that this is more about uh, competing for power in Europe is is more uh, consistent with the facts that we can prove. And I'll and I'll show you why I think that about the origin of the destabilization of Ukraine plays into the narrative that it's about gas rather than it's this megalomania, as they call it, this highly egotistical, arrogant Putin who wants to reestablish the Russian Empire, the Soviet Empire. I don't think, I never go for the emotional arguments anyway. I go for the who benefits arguments, the money and the power, the centers of power, the geopolitics, I think, is is really ultimately about that. So I'm going to lay out the timeline uh, for you. Coming up, take your calls, 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK are uh, numbers. You could tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. And uh, I always continue this conversation during the week. If you want to check out my Facebook, I write articles. You can get all my old podcasts and the things that we're talking about today. You can probably find all of them on uh, my website, MonicaPerezShow.com or PropagandaReportDaily.com. And now for something completely different. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Voice on WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. And we are talking about Trump's trip to Europe. His speech in Poland, I think, was very telling. He started out talking about Russia destabilizing Ukraine, which... I absolutely dispute, and I'm going to tell you why. Uh, and I think that uh, more that these the geopolitics we're experiencing versus Russia in Europe right now are is really about gas. And there was an interesting uh, little side comment that probably slipped by most people in Trump's speech that I want to read. But first, I want to see Binkley, my producers here. I want to know our... Uh, what are people tweeting to us about this topic? Well, we got another good one from Gary who tweeted that Krauthammer is one of many reasons why I banned Fox News a long time ago. I'm so sick of hearing people call for American imperialism. Yes, I had played a uh, clip earlier. I don't normally play clips of media people because I think that's kind of, you know, I, I really hate that the news is about the news now. And Krauthammer's not really that much of a person as a... <laughs> I know you think he looks like a... a tree um, bark. Yes. <laughs> like one of those trees that's like alive. Yes, and but scary. But I don't like to, to make fun of people the way they look. Sorry. That's I'll leave that to you, buddy. Um, but he... He's there, but he's, to me, is not a, like, the media tacticians, the people who are out there delivering the propaganda that, normally the media is just so shallow, but what he does, he doesn't use the tactics. He, the the other guy softened him up, like, he was on Tucker Carlson, that's who, that's where the clip was from, Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson's father, I think, ran or was very significant player in this USIA, which Clapper... Uh, James Clapper, the big intel intelligence guy, is calling for the USIA on steroids, which was our way of uh, influencing foreign countries, their politics and stuff. This was Tucker Carlson's father's job. So, uh, so here is Krauthammer on that show this week saying to him, "He's so so Carlson." 
Tucker Carlson kind of softens up your brain. And then you get a guy like this who's going to plant the mind vitamin. And the mind vitamin was we need to return to traditional American values of universalism and world leadership and policing the world, which is not a true it's a false correlation because George Washington said we need to stop at the water's edge, you know, which is what um, one of Trump's campaign speeches said. And now they're saying I actually heard Krathammer at one point say we're so much safer when we extend our politics past the past the water's edge, which is not true, in my opinion. But uh, and I think it's in evidence, actually. But I want to I want to get into the Ukraine stuff, but I just want to support my point that I'd made before the break about this really being about gas. And there was another tell in Trump's speech that I think if you dig in, you'll you'll find it. Uh, but I'm open to your comments. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. DeMarco, do we have clip 11? President Duda and I have just come from an incredibly successful meeting with the leaders participating in the Three Seas Initiative. To the citizens of this great region, America is eager to expand our partnership with you. We welcome stronger ties of trade and commerce as you grow your economies. And we are committed to securing your access to alternate sources of energy, so Poland and its neighbors are never again held hostage to a single supplier of energy. Now, for me, the thing that happened in Ukraine is that the democratically elected president took the better deal, which was to get continue to get gas through Russia and actually take loans from Russia to support what was a struggling economy at a better rate and more money than he was going to get elsewhere. So it was a highly competitive situation before we brought a geopolitical barrier in there and overthrew their government. But what what Trump was talking about, this three C's initiative, it's about uh, it's about working with all these central, I guess you would call European countries that are kind of defined by the seas i think it's the baltic sea uh the black sea and um or is it the balkan (laughs) i always get those two confused and the adriatic sea so it's a lot of these warsaw pact countries these were the soviet satellite countries that when george hw bush uh negotiated with gorbachev to release east germany they said, okay, just don't expand NATO into the Warsaw Pact countries. And that's exactly what Clinton immediately did. So we were high, that was highly hostile. It was supposed to be a buffer zone. It wasn't. And now here we are. Uh, but the two big projects of this Three Seas initiative are to build a big north-south highway through there to connect everything. But on the bookends, they want to put natural, liquefied natural gas infrastructure, ports, and then build a pipeline so that these people can use gas from North America. Now, I'm a little rusty, but I used to be a, an analyst at um, a big commercial bank in the petroleum metals and mining group. And I remember doing studies on liquefied natural gas, which is like very dangerous and you, gotta, you have to ship it. 
it would be and i remember when this thing arose with Ukraine, it would it would really just on a purely economic basis, you would much rather have a natural, you know, it'd be much cheaper to have a natural gas pipeline from a nearby gas field than it is to ship liquefied natural gas uh, across the ocean. You really have to have some regulatory barriers to entry, whatever. But once the infrastructure is built, then you are kind of committed to whichever one you chose. But you got to cut a good deal up front, and and I feel like. What's happening here is that it really these deals are not about Western civilization and freedom of speech and women's rights, all the stuff that was jumbled up in the speech that Trump made, but that it's about uh, the uh, energy domination, about money, about power, about influence, about regional hegemony, like dominance. Hegemony is like the dominance of one country over its region. I think that's what it's all about. But let's get back to how it all started in Ukraine. And I know I gave an insane amount of clips to DeMarco. So let me see if I've got the one I want. I, the first clip I want to play um, is, uh, we'll, we'll get, I think I might have to wait on that. Um, so the, the, the big picture story is that in December 2013, uh, Victoria Newland, who the, was the Assistant Secretary of State for, um, I guess, the European Affairs, I don't know what it was, but she was over there, and she was talking to uh, Jeffrey Pyatt, who was the ambassador uh, of Ukraine. And they basically plotted a coup to overthrow the uh, legitimately democratically elected government of Ukraine. But first, they tried to use kind of diplomatic means. So in December 2013, Victoria Nuland comes back. She goes to the National Press Club or something. She, had, she says she just got off a plane from Ukraine. And in the backdrop, if you look at this, I just posted the video on Twitter, at Monica Press Show. In the backdrop, she, write, she has uh, the Exxon logo, the uh, Chevron logo, it's so funny. And then she talks about how she, uh, that the U.S. had just spent $5 billion trying to influence Ukraine to pivot west instead of east. This was a, um, this is how it really works. This is how it really works. And, and, and there was even a deeper layer in that, uh, Pando reported, Pando is a website uh, that did some reporting on uh, an Intercept article. So if you know Glenn Greenwald, he is kind of Edward Snowden's mouthpiece. He was the interviewer who came out uh, with the, broke the Edward Snowden story. And then Pierre Omajar, I think he was the PayPal billionaire, set these guys up with a website called Intercept, and he kind of, you know, exposes the deep state. 
Well, it came out that these efforts made by the U.S. government to influence the government of Ukraine were hand-in-hand supported by the Pierre Omidyar, who also put money and effort into influencing the politics of Ukraine. So, uh, so I had originally, I had always said, I thought Snowden was a limited hangout, that he still works for the CIA, that uh, this whole thing was just to get u- us used to the idea of surveillance. And uh, I, I felt that that was uh, for sure what was happening. And then when I see that Pierre Omidyar is actually a deep state operative cooperating with the United States to overthrow democratically elected governments abroad, I think I'm validated in thinking that this stuff is uh, a deep state operation through and through. But let's hear this Victoria Newland speech. And her husband, by the way, is Robert Kagan, who works for Brookings Institute Institution and is constantly... Uh, trying to tell us what the, just like Charles Krauthammer, you know, what this big picture is, what our place in the world, all this kind of stuff, when really, I think it's just about <laughs> the money and the power that's represented by the logos that are standing behind, uh, on the wall behind Newland. But let's, let's hear clip five. So no clip five? <laughs> that's totally fine. Okay. So anyway, uh, she she just goes through saying how they want uh, Europe to have a democratic future, and in the end, they end up overthrowing the uh, the legitimate government. So maybe we'll skip that, and I will get to take a quick break, and then after that, get to the actual. When this didn't work, when their $5 billion did not work, they decide they've got to take this guy out. That is coming up. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It is uh, going to be 88 as a high today, 70 low overnight. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And uh, I am finally ready with this clip of Victoria Newland speaking to the National Press Club, sponsored by Exxon and Chevron. The date is very important on this. This this speech she is giving was December 13th, 2013. December 13th, 2013. She's telling a bunch of oil guys the day she gets back from a trip to Ukraine. Here's clip five. Since Ukraine's independence in 1991, the United States has supported Ukrainians as they build democratic skills and institutions, as they promote civic participation and good governance, all of which are preconditions for Ukraine to achieve its European aspirations. We've invested over $5 billion to assist Ukraine in these and other goals that will ensure a secure and prosperous and democratic Ukraine. Today, there are senior officials in the Ukrainian government, in the business community, as well as in the opposition, civil society, and the religious community who believe in this democratic and European future for their country. And they've 
been working hard to move their country and their president in the right direction. We urge the government, we urge the president to listen to these voices, to listen to the Ukrainian people, to listen to the Euromaidan, and take Ukraine forward. The support of the people in this room is absolutely essential. We thank you for all you are doing. We thank you for your partnership all these years, and we look forward to continuing to stand shoulder to shoulder with you as we take Ukraine into the future that it deserves. So this is before there was any problem in Ukraine that any like political crisis, there was a democratically elected government. And uh, and she's saying how the United States is spending money working hand in hand with business leaders, churches, civil society. I hate that expression. Uh, And and that these people she's got two logos behind her exxon and chevron so i don't know who else is in the room but the people in that room were working hand in hand with her and uh and i as i said before the break pierre omajar who i'm almost positive is the paypal billionaire he is supposed to be snowden's sponsor glenn greenwald's sponsor he paid for the intercept all this stuff that gives us all this deep state information he worked hand in hand with them he was one of the the private billionaires who participate in these things and i always suspect with these tech billionaires that some of them are uh if not all of them creations of the state that the tech really comes out of the department of defense of uh, MIT of government research and that they find the, the face or the the operative who will uh, get, you know, be I, I think George Soros got to start like this too. Bill Gates. I mean, I think these people are work hand in hand uh, when from when they're very young and they are helped to get really rich. And in return, the deal it always is that they have to give back by fostering these political ends. And in this case, the political end was to make a uh, a change in the direction Ukraine was going. Now, the Ukrainian people who ran Ukraine have always been notoriously corrupt. And this guy uh, who was overthrown, Yanukovych, took refuge in Russia and Putin said, this guy's totally corrupt. He didn't even follow my advice. I don't want him here, but I'm not sending him back there because they're going to charge him with murder, a murder he did not commit. So uh, I'm not saying these guys are good guys, but they most certainly are. But what he, what Yanukovych had been doing in negotiating with Russia against the EU was taking the better deal. So uh, so that's where it stands. And then I want to continue to draw out the story. Binkley, let's do let's uh, hear a few tweets. First, let me throw out the number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You could tweet at me at Monica Perez show. Uh, what are people tweeting? Daniel tweets that too bad there are only a rare few like you who are willing to tell the truth about the Russian narrative. Even the GOP goes along with it. Maddening. I know. I mean, that's something that that is a tell to me that they like what when Lavrov came out and said, yeah, Putin told Trump we had nothing to do with that. And I'm sure Trump and Tillerson will support that. This is what Lavrov said, because there's never been a shred of evidence. So of course these guys are going to support me. And then Tillerson comes out and says, Oh, 
Trump did some saber rattling and he told them enough is enough. But it was funny because Ginny, our tweet, <laughs> tweeted a while back that she was just waiting for uh, for Trump or Tillerson or whatever to say something that basically stipulated, yes, Russia, there was Russian interference. And they are, even though I believe that was it the New York Times actually retracted the stuff about 17 intelligence agencies yeah. all you know so nobody ever talks about the retraction they still they still talk about as if you know that's that's why I wanted to go back to this thing about Crimea and Ukraine because they they always refer to these things uh as like touchstones i think we've talked about it on propaganda report the podcast we do on our um PropagandaReportDaily.com about how they'll just set up this symbol and then just use that as a touchstone for emotions, for a narrative, and no one ever goes back and questions the assumptions of whether that touchstone really says what we're being told it says. You know, and that's a, that's a Bernays thing, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. The touchstone here, I think, for people is Russia invaded a sovereign nation and just took it over. Right, but that isn't what happened at all. Right, because it was a democratically elected com- country that we actually went in and orchestrated a regime change coup, and just like we did in Egypt, the exact same thing. It was uh, you, you don't like the guy, but he was democratically elected. After they do the coup, then they charge the guy with murder so that they can do away <laughs> with them. I mean, that's what happened to Yanukovych too. So let's let's continue to draw that out. Um, Maybe put some meat on the bones. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.